so great to be together with you this morning. Uh, like they said before, my name's Jonathan, and uh, I have my lovely wife here, Kim, and my daughter, Anna Grace. She's my last one. Um, I sent my firstborn here. Her name was Emily Meyer at the time, and then she left Emily Snow. Okay, so if some of you know John Snow, um, that is my son-in-law. And of course, I have two students here today from our youth group. Um, we have McKenna and we have Jordan, and I am very much looking forward to lunch together. Are you guys okay? <laughs> Very much looking forward to lunch together of your choosing, maybe Texas Roadhouse, who knows? Knowing the speaker has its benefits. I saw that look of jealousy hang with me. Um, also, I know that many of you are here this morning because you ran out of skips. You used all eight, and so you had to come. So those, I really appreciate you that are here this morning. And then I also know that some of you stayed up a long time last night. You're really tired. And if you do happen to fall asleep, it is A-OK. -okay. I'm a youth pastor, but I want you to know I am very perceptive. And so I do like to watch and see what's going on in different rows and who's doing what. Um, also, I want you to know I have an absolute, um, how can I say, appreciation of Emmaus Bible School. I, just phenomenally deep. And I just want to tell you a quick story right before we get into our text. Back in 2006, so we had been doing the Ignite Youth Leadership Conference for three years back in 2006. Emmaus Bible College was one of the only partners who said, we get what you're trying to do. You're trying to start a student-led movement where students begin leading while they're in high school. And we want to be a part of that. And so I really just want to, again, appreciate uh, Mr. Israel Chavez. I don't know if he's here this morning, but he was the visionary behind that. And every single year since 2006, Emmaus Bible School has not only sponsors Ignite, but brought people to the conference and they promote it. Uh, also, I want to mention that when we branched from Des Moines to Chicago, they were one of the onlys that only people that jumped in with us to join us there. And then last year when we branched to Colorado Springs, they also were one of the only people to jump in and branch with us there. So when I say it's an amazing partnership, I just really am deeply, deeply grateful. Also, I'm deeply grateful because my oldest went here and she loves the Lord and she's serving the Lord locally. I want to say thank you to Jeremy Diaz, uh, one of our next gen pastors. Um, he works in uh, at Piasta Community Church there and I really, Crossroads is what it's called. I really admire his friendship and he's here today as a support. So I love you, brother, and I appreciate you. And uh, so with that, are we ready to get into the word of God this morning? Uh, yeah. Let's do it. I cannot wait. You feel like my youth group. This is awesome. Um, I would also say you can say, yeah, cheer. Let's not make Jordan the only one. Um, and so she'll feel better about that too. Um, also, is Tom Cook here this morning? Bummer. I love that guy. And then is Laurel here this morning? Bummer. Is President Boom here this morning? All right, I send greetings to all of those guys. <laughs> all right, so I want to um, just ask you a question just as we get out the gate. Has anybody ever read this list and felt like, yeah, good luck? Has anybody read the list of the fruits of the Spirit and go, oh, man, um, okay, gentleness. If any of you know me, yeah, forget that. <laughs> Okay, and uh, self-control, yeah, I'm not doing so hot at that. Um, do you ever feel that way when you look at the list? And then when you look at the list above, um, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord. And, and most of those you're like, okay, before you get to uh, discord and jealousy, you're like, okay, I'm not so much into witchcraft. But how many of you spend way too much time on your phone? 
and it takes precedence over your time with the Lord. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, shoot, idolatry. I'm with you. I understand. I get it. So before we run into this list, I want to give you just a few boundaries. Now, some of you have probably already heard this because I found out I'm the guy speaking on the last of the nine qualities. And so you've probably had eight others on this. And so you've probably heard this stuff before. But if you're taking notes, it helps me to set a parameter on the fruits of the spirit so we can understand faithfulness in its context. Are you cool with me on that? So let's jump in on that and let's take a look. So first of all, I want you to know that only Jesus possesses the fruit of the spirit in perfection. Good news, none of the rest of you will. Can you remember that big breath he asked you to take? Inhale, exhale. None of us are gonna live these out in perfection. None of us. I'm going to take that off your shoulders. By our own efforts, these things could never be produced in us unless the Holy Spirit lives within us and helps us to produce those things. That's another thank goodness, because that means in your own effort, you cannot produce them. In the positive, the wonderful promise of this passage is through the ministry of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, Jesus's own perfect character as defined by these qualities can be exhibited in you and I. How cool is that? What a rare gift by God himself. Pretty cool. Um, also, before the Holy Spirit can produce his fruit in someone, they must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That means if you're here today and you are born again, fruits will come. If you are not born again, no fruit. Real simple. That's the dividing line. Romans 8, 1 says, there's now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Also, the fruit of the spirit is singular, not plural. Now, how many of you have, how many speakers have come and told you that before? Just checking. One, two, three, all of them, some of them. Is this review? This is yes. This is no. This is, I have no clue. All right. The fruit of the spirit is singular, not plural. And I can prove it from the text, but just by passing the fruit of the spirit that is produced is not nine different fruits, but one singular fruit manifested in nine distinct qualities. This reminds us that the Holy Spirit produces his fruit in us as a whole. I'll give you an illustration. It's not love is the fruit of this season and joy is the next fruit in season and peace is the next fruit in season and then you're 39 before you get faithfulness. You know, that's not how it works. Also, please remember the nature of fruit itself. Fruit does not grow overnight, but grows over time through a process that is under the sovereign control of God. You and I cannot pick one, and simply work on it and expect to see fruit overnight, especially regarding faithfulness. And that makes sense, doesn't it? I'm going to explain why you can't just pick one and work on just one singular a little later on in, in the message. Um, also, here's another guidepost or framework. We can trust the ministry of the Holy Spirit 
to produce his fruit according to his own timetable and his own method in our lives. You're like, okay, what's that mean to us on the ground? It means you and I don't have to be the fruit police focusing on other people and where they're at. We need to be first and foremost focused on the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our own life as our primary focus. Meaning, as we go through this message, if you're like me, you think to yourself, man, someone else, I really wish that they had more of that without looking at ourselves and saying, hmm, how much of that do I have? Finally, the context surrounding the verse on the fruit of the spirit is key to understanding how to grow more fruit and what causes fruit not to grow. Meaning I'm not going to take you other passages this morning. I'm going to stay in our text and I believe it has all that we need to glean this fruit. No pun intended. In other words, in order to create an environment conductive to the growth of the Spirit's fruit in us, we have to look at the text. And what the text says, that I'm going to share with you in a second, the core of what I got to say is, in order for us to grow in the fruits of the Spirit, we need to deal with sin in our own lives. Now, I want to just simply ask a question now that I've given you the framework. What do you think of when I say the word faithfulness? Now, I'm going to set this up and stage it. You can share whatever comes to mind. I want to know what's one of the first things you think of when I say the word faithfulness. Now, some of you have already been conditioned right now. Hang with me. I'll get you. Some of you are already conditioned. You're like, I remember the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, because we just sang it. Okay, so I'm just going to take that off the table right now. All right. What do you think of? I think of Sam from Lord of the Yes. Yes. And then also in that same vein, Top Gun, never leave your wingman. You know what I'm saying? All right. Who else? What else do you think of? Yeah. Loyalty. Loyalty. Yeah. Consistency. Consistency. Yeah. Marriage. All right, now I've got some good news. You don't have to be in the front row to give answers. Okay, that is good. Marriage, absolutely. Which reminds me, actually, that's really funny. Um, I saw this Hallmark card in the love and like marriage section the other day that reads, I can't promise you forever, but I can promise you today. <laughs> like what? What kind of faithfulness is that? Who wants to get that card? So good job on marriage. All right. What else do you think about? Yes. Abraham. Abraham. Absolutely. Are you raising your hand or do you snap? Do you snap? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyone else? Yeah. What was that? Yes. Covenant. Absolutely. How we get our lineage, even in the Bible, the old covenant, new covenant. Yeah. <laughs> good job. Jesus! There's always one. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I absolutely love it. Matter of fact, um, while we're talking about Jesus, ironic, can we go that way? I know. The perfect time. I actually believe in this text, if you do not see the fruit of faithfulness in Jesus's life, you're never going to be able to live it in your life. Would you agree? 
So when we talk about this quality of faithfulness, let's define it. And then let's look at Jesus's life and see how he lived it. Great job. And I did not talk to her in advance about sharing that. All right. So let me give you a definition. First of all, in this text, the Greek word mentioned here is the word pistis, or it literally means reliable, dependable, trustworthy. So I put this statement together to help us understand it. I'll try to say it slowly. If you're looking for a main idea this morning to write down in your notes, here it is. God is reliable. He's trustworthy. He's believable. And he's dependable. God is reliable, trustworthy, believable, and dependable. Here's where Jesus comes in. And Jesus modeled this same faithfulness to his father in everything he did. And Jesus modeled the same faithfulness to his father in everything he did, not just in belief, but by example. Now, how cool is that, first of all? So in order for us to reflect faithfulness, we have to reflect the faithfulness of the one who saved us, the faithfulness of the one who created us to live on purpose in relationship with him. So we have to look at him to understand what the example is. Where's the bar? What's it look like? So I have three things that I want you to notice about Jesus and his character and how he demonstrated faithfulness. So first of all, Jesus was faithful in every way to his father. That's number one. Jesus was faithful in every way to his father. I'm thinking of Hebrews 3, 1, 2, and verse 6 that says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. He was faithful to the one who appointed him. But Christ is faithful as son over God's house. He committed himself to undertake that to which God appointed him. And I have good news for you. He was faithful with it in every way. Perfect. Number two, Jesus was faithful then in every way to the mission. So he was faithful in every way to his father. He was also faithful in every way to his mission. John 17, verse four. He fulfilled the purpose for which he came to the earth. And I have good news for you. Probably everyone in this room has received the beneficiary of that mission. And that is forgiveness and redemption. He faithfully brought it to you and to me. And so of all the people in the world that would be deeply grateful for Jesus's faithfulness, it would be you and I, wouldn't it? Deeply grateful. He fulfilled the purpose for which he came. He brought redemption, forgiveness to all mankind, past, present, and future. John 17, four says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And some of us know that Greek word to tell us die. It's finished. It's completed. Um, uh, he came, he bled, he died, he rose again. And by the way, I'd mentioned for him, his faithfulness was not comfortable nor convenient, but it was sacrificial and it was 
humble, he faithfully brought good news. So number one, Jesus was faithful in every way to his father. He was faithful to his mission. Number three, Jesus was faithful to give away the mission to others. Now I say that and I say, look at all of you. You're here at a Bible school learning the word of God. So I just want to ask a couple quick questions real quick. How many of you are in the teaching area? Like primary ed, secondary ed, higher ed, uh, teaching. Okay. How many, forgive me, this is just near and close and dear to my heart. Forgive me. I'm not youth pastors training in youth ministry out there. Okay. Youth workers. One, two, please more. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So we got about eight. How many of you are, by the way, I think this is really cool that Emmaus does this. How many archaeology? I've never seen that position in the church, but it's still pretty cool, doggone it. And we've got to make sure that history is still true, right? Good job. All right. How many of you are in the counseling area? Okay. Some of you are like, is he going to get mine? I don't know. I'm hopeful. Counseling. Appreciate you guys. How about everyone else? What have I missed? What have I, Bible? What? Yeah, Bible. That's assumed. Yes. What's yours? Ooh, yeah. Good word. Yes. I am sorry. I forgot that. My son-in-law was in computer sciences and I forgot that. Yeah. Oh, script that one from the live stream. Just kidding. Okay. And anyone else that I missed? Yes. Nur that's right. My daughter was in that one. <laughs> A little more love. No, I'm just kidding. So, yeah, firstborn. Here's the point. You're at a Bible school chasing the mission of God that Jesus faithfully completed at great sacrifice, right? Just ask the bank <laughs> and just ask the accounting department at great sacrifice, so here's what I want to encourage you with. Jesus was faithful to give away the mission to others. And as you follow him, you are exhibiting that aspect of faithfulness to continue to complete the work for which he has given away to you. All right. Now, I want to go to the passage now to ask the question, how do you and I exhibit this quality in the list of this, these qualities in the fruit of the spirit? How does that work in our life? Now, I'd like you to take a look at your text right now, if you would, please. And I'm going to start in verse 16, and I'm going to read a phrase, and then I'm going to go to verse 24 and read a phrase. It says, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The sinful nature. And then what does it do? It lists sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, last time I checked, that was 15 minimally. These are all acts of the flesh. And then what does the text do? It makes a contrast. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, nine. Now let me just draw something that I think will help you understand and prove that it is a fruit of the work of the Spirit of God with nine qualities instead of nine different fruits. In this passage, Paul is contrasting the flesh and the spirit, singular or plural, singular. And in this, he's giving all of these qualities of the flesh. How many? 15. Are they 15 fleshes? No, they're 15 qualities of the flesh. Over here, what's he doing? Nine qualities of what? The spirit at work in you, which is why earlier I said, we're not to simply go out and try to work on, okay, today I'm focusing on self-control. Although the spirit does, or the scripture tells us to work on self-control, what we are really to do is to be walking with the spirit. And as we walk with the spirit, guess what? The whole vegetable garden grows. You follow me on that? This is not a one quality garden. This is a nine quality garden. And that's why the text is key to helping you and I be faithful. Let's read how it tells us to do it. It says in Galatians chapter five, verse 24, those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Ready? Point number one, for us. I gave you the three on Christ. Now we're on us. Point number one, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you are constantly in the process of crucifying your sin nature. You cannot grow in faithfulness or peace or patience or any of the qualities if you are constantly entertaining sin instead of killing it. There's not really a secret sauce in this passage. It's pretty clear. You can't be doing the 15 things up above and grow in the nine things down below. It doesn't work like that. How many of you has a garden and then takes and pours gas over the plants while you're trying to grow them? That's exactly what takes place when we entertain sin in our life and act like all of a sudden we're going to have a fruit of peace or patience or gentleness. It's not going to happen. Follow me. Pretty vivid. And by the way, if you've ever poured gas on something, you know it just doesn't survive very well. The sinful nature has passions and desires that must be put to death. The act of of not putting them to death, according to the text, will cause us to lose step with the spirit of God. I'm not saying it. The text is saying that. So if you and I wonder why we haven't heard from God or feel like he's not close to you or me or your times with God are few and far between, it might be because you haven't crucified anything in your flesh lately and your sin nature is winning the day. I would also note that the text is key in the tense that's used. It says the term have crucified seems to indicate it's the decision that has already been made, meaning we've already determined we're going to crucify. We've already made that decision. But then what happens is the flesh creeps back in and says, oh, no, we haven't. No, we haven't. Let's do this. 
So the main reason you or I may struggle to be faithful in any realm is because we're entertaining sin and we have to stop doing it and kill it. Number two, if you have a relationship with Christ, you can live by the spirit. Earlier in verse 16, it tells us if we live by the spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The word sense in my Bible, it's in first word in verse 25. It says, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. The word sense is used making the assumption that it's already happened, that we already are walking in the spirit. Living by the spirit means in context that we're guided by something other than our sin nature. Any guesses as to what that would be? The Holy Spirit. He lives in us and he guides us. You and I will develop, watch this, a deep sense of confidence in God the more we follow and trust his spirit because by definition at the very beginning, I said he is trustworthy. We can believe him. And the more we follow his spirit, the more faithful you and I will become to him. Now you're like, okay, where are we at? Are we almost done? Yes. So hang with me. Students ask me all the time, I don't know what to do with my future. And every once in a while, I'll ask them, how are you doing at following what God wants you to do right now? In this passage, it's basically saying, are you following the spirit of God in your daily walk right now? Because if you are, I have full confidence that he'll continue to guide you toward his purpose and future. The reason why most students are anxious in our culture right now as to what they're going to do in the future is because they're depending on their flesh to give them a quick answer instead of walking by the spirit to give them a faithful perseverance in the same direction toward Christ answer. You follow me there? So... Point number three is also in the text, and it says you can lose step with the Spirit. You can lose step with the Spirit. Well, it's natural. How would that happen? See the 15 things up above? So I'm going to conclude with these two points. Two reasons you can lose step with the Spirit and struggle with faithfulness. Here are two things you can do to fight that off right now as we go out. Second to last day of classes, finals coming up, getting ready to go to home. Here it is. The two things, according to Galatians, that you can do to keep walking with the Spirit. Number one, do not give up. If you lost the battle with sin yesterday, fight it again today. It's a worthy battle to fight. Can I get an amen? We are going to walk by the spirit. We're not going to beat ourselves up over a bad decision we made yesterday. We're going to take steps to correct it today. And if lack of sleep was the thing that caused you to lack judgment, let's get more sleep. And all the professors said, amen. amen. <laughs> this is what we're going to do. And the scripture tells us in Galatians 6, let us not become weary and doing good for at the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Students that are here that feel like, oh, I'm done with this Bible study education. I'm tired of a theology class, which sometimes I could get an amen out of that, okay? <laughs> I'm tired of it. Don't give up. In the proper time, you will reap if you do not give up. That's what Paul's telling us. That's what the Spirit of God is telling us. That's what this passage is telling us. And you want more faithfulness? Don't give up. Here's the second one. Don't give in. Do not gratify the passions and desires of your sinful nature. 
It's easy to study about Christ, but it's hard to follow Christ. It's easy to be at a Bible school. It's hard to let the word of God transform you. It's easy to go to a church. It's hard to be the church. It's easy to say what you want to be like Christ, but it's hard to crucify the flesh so that you, the flesh so that you walk with Christ. Students, God brought me here today to tell you, do not give in and do not give up. 